0: Welcome to Drinks of the Doll, episode 63, 30 Days of Lost Girl, part 2. You're listening to Drinks of the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie.
1: And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris.
0: This episode is part of our 30 Days of Lost Girl series in which we answer a ton of questions about Lost Girl. To see all of the questions in the meme, as well as get links to our episodes in which we answer those questions, go to drinksofthedoll.com slash 30days2014. Just as a warning, our answers may contain spoilers for up through the end of season four. So day nine, favorite main character. And I feel like at this point, if you listen to our favorite female and favorite male character, you probably know what's only down to like two people.
2: (laughs) I did think this was a slightly odd odd uh, question. Yeah, I'm
0: like, haven't we answered this already, but we'll kind answer of, it again. We, got, I guess we got it narrowed down to, like, two earlier. And now we have to pick between the two, either the male or the female character, right?
2: Which also, if you listen to the show, you know which one we're going to choose. Know,
0: <laughs> I know. So, Annie, who is your favorite <laughs> character? Trick?
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I like that pretty lady in the white doctor coat. Um...
1: I'm very interested in finding first, out more about... what. First, though, I was like, Delphine? Wait. <laughs> Holly? Wait. No, no. no on this <laughs> show. This show. <laughs> Not Orphan Black. <sighs> or Ricky or Blue. She yeah. threw
2: a Ricky Blue in oh, there to confuse you. See, okay. I,
1: I haven't watched all of Ricky Blue, Ricky Blue so, yeah. Or or Rizzoli and Isles or any other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Or even the Spanish show that I used to watch, Los Hombres de Paco. <laughs> what where
0: is it about our queer female characters and their white lab They're codes, always right? blonde, brunette. The one
1: is a doctor, one is a cop, you know, yeah. Or, or Sylvia from Los Hombres de Paco. So anyway, Um but Lauren in Lost Girl is my favorite character. And I, I just, I still want to find out more about that backstory, the multiple backstories, because it did get more complex in season four, again. And I want to find out how she's going to use, uh, this power she has now. I, you know, it's like a human power. She can take away Fae powers and how she'll stand up against the Fae in season five. I mean, she can, you know, I think she's very independent now of Bo and she can do it without Bo's protection. You know, as Bo's always, you know, uh, she's very, you know, Bo's always instinct is to protect her, but, um, you know, I think Lauren's pretty okay on her own. But I also want to see Lauren as part of the gang and what her contribution will be first up uh, on the quest to save Kenzie. So really excited about all the developments coming up. So And Docubussy, yes, please. We are still <laughs> waiting for
0: Lauren in just the
1: lab coat.
0: How about you, Chris? Who's your favorite main character? Another big shocker I feel like is about to happen. <laughs> hmm. No. <Bow>. No. <laughs> Bo is my favorite character. Bobo. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, but see, uh, never mind. No, no. I won't go into that. Why not? But yes. <laughs> her father
0: you can her has her a Chris. friend whose nickname is Bobo. So when Kenzie calls her Bobo, she thinks of this dude sometimes.
2: <laughs> it's like a middle-aged dude with white hair and a beard. <laughs> anyway, he's a nice guy, but it's weird to associate him with, with Anna Silk. Anyway... Yes, Bo, who, who makes me want to get poetic. Bo, rejector of pinaries, lover of nerds and outcasts. <laughs> and that's really all I've got because I'm not that poetic.
0: <laughs> For me, I have to go with Tatiana Maslany. Oh wait, no. Um, <laughs> In this episode, Bo is played by Tatiana. By Tatiana Maslany. Maslany. <laughs> Anna Silk
2: is played by Tatiana Maslany, and Anna Silk plays Bo, so.
0: so I had to go with Bo as well. I love her even when she messes up. And I love Anna Silk as Bo. And I'm just very invested in Bo's journey. Like, my, I, the way I want the show to end is I want Bo to be able to do what she says in the main credits, you know, to live the life that she chooses. And I'm very invested in seeing that happen. So I love Bo. Bo's my favorite. I th- I think in
2: one of our early conversations, that, that time that I spent like an hour and a half talking you off about my love for Bo... Mm-hmm. I think one of my main topics was that, you know, I don't know that Bo would have been as successful a character for me, if not for Anna Silk. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's Thank very goodness true. they brought Anna Silk on, and they brought in kind of her goofiness to the character.
2: She is. She's so warm and goofy, and it just kind of radiates off of her. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah.
0: This is a show with really
1: perfect casting, in my mind. Yeah, they've got really the great characters. casting on the show. And, of course, yeah. the
0: the chemistry between the cast is fantastic.
3: Hey, guys. CindyB1017 from Twitter. I had a lot of trouble thinking of my very favorite character from Lost Girl because anyone who knows me knows I pretty much love everyone. But if I absolutely have to pick one favorite character, I'd have to go with Bo. Uh, from my point of view, there wouldn't be a Lost Girl without Bo, plain and simple. And even though all the other characters are really important and add so much to the show, Bo is the cornerstone of Lost Girl. It's a story of her journey. Uh I love that Bo's such a strong female character and yet at some times she's so vulnerable. I I love that she fights for what she believes in and for those she loves without regard to authority, tradition or rules. She's smart. And she, but she knows that she doesn't know everything. She wants to learn more, but she isn't too proud to accept help and knowledge from others who do know more than her. She's Fay and yet she's still so human. And more, most importantly, she's all these things, but she isn't arrogant about it. She's approachable, even lovable. Bottom line is that Bo's my kind of hero. She's the kind who would make me feel completely safe while always being huggable. Anyway, thanks guys for the show. Really love it. Keep being who you are.
4: Hi, my name's Angela. And um, I'm here to talk about my favorite main character. For me, it would be Docubus. Because the two of them together, I feel, should be a main character. And if I can't say Docubus, then it would have to be Lauren. Because Lauren has just this vulnerability that just draws you, draws you in heavily. So my favorite main character is Lauren.
5: Hi there. This is Mary Beth, aka the Uber fan, aka Uber fanatic. Well I'm going in to give my favorite characters. Well I should give only one character, but I can't just say one, so here you go. My favorites are Kenzie, Pamsen, and Beau. But I will only go and talk about Kenzie and Tamsin. Uh, the reason I like Kenzie, I, I just, I just don't have enough words to describe her. I mean, but Kenzie, she's just amazing. She's just a fantastic character. She is giving and loving and she's everything she, that both uh, said to Tamsin. She's, she's special. She's generous. She's all the things that she doesn't think she is. She doesn't see herself, I don't think, as as being all that heroic. Uh, she she knows her past. She wears her past. Uh she sees her life as being on the streets and being a survivor. Uh having a crummy family life with a stepfather that was not so great. But she she is a survivor. I remember in season 1 when when Meyer called her that. Called her a survivor. And she knows that about her. She, she embraces that part of who she is. But I think that now with Bo in her life and with the rest of her family, she is taking on the role of being, uh, uh of being that hero that no one expects. Because everyone looks at Bo. Everyone looks at Dyson. Everyone looks at, at the others to be the heroes. So they don't expect her. And she is all those things and so much more. So she is, she is the staple of the show as far as I'm concerned. She is Bo's humanity. She is the one who ties Bo to, to this world and keeps her centered and keeps her focused on what she needs to be. So, but, but here we have Tamsin. I just love everything about her. She is, she does some really stupid things, but I think all the characters do. I think one of the things I love is when characters are imperfect. And Tamsin has. Centuries of mistakes on her back. She's made a lot of them throughout her lives. And I, I love her friendship with the gang and, of course, with Kenzie. And I, I love her connection with Bo that I don't think we fully, obviously, we haven't really gone too much into yet with the show. And here she is in her last life, and she's a little bit softer, yet she still has that edge. And she just has a heart. She's a giver, but she doesn't see herself that way. She doesn't see herself as being a good person. She accepts her role as being dark. So I, I just, there's just so much potential there. She's just a fascinating character. And I think there's so much depth as to who and what she is in her history that I hope that we get to see more and more of that. So day 10,
0: talked about our favorite main characters. Now we're going to talk about our favorite recurring characters. And I'm going to start with Annie. Uh, mine is the Morgan uh, slash
1: Ebony Mark What is it? Marquis. Marquis. Wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the fra- the uh, adjective that I always use to describe her is such a delicious villain. And uh, Emmanuel Vaugier must have so much fun with that character. The way she plays it and just puts so much life and just... Yeah, she's supposed to be, quote-unquote, the dark, evil Faye, but she ha- they have so much fun being bad. So much fun doing what is not always maybe morally the right thing. But they're like yeah, we're here. We're Dark Fay. We're proud of it. We don't care. And I just I love, love her in that role. And I'm really, really glad the role was expanded through the years. And I think from what I've read a little bit about Season 5 is that they're going to expand on the Morgans' background. So that will be really fun to see.
0: I also had to go with the Morgan as my favorite recurring character because of all of the reasons Annie just said. She's just so perfectly, deliciously over the top. But I feel like She's also had some good balance where we get to see some human moments too, and she's just always a lot of fun. Whenever the Morgan shows up, I know it's going to be a f- there's going to be a fun time in this episode, and I especially love the combination of the Morgan and Vex slash Paul Amos Paul Amos and Emmanuel Vogier. when she is being controlled by him. It's usually <laughs> some of the best physical uh, uh, comedy ever. And yeah, I just I love the Morgan. I think she's a great character. I love we have a great female leader on the show, even though she is the leader for the dark. I still love that we get a, a female leader on the show. And I like that she calls out trick about calling her a bitch because that's what people guys just call women in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love I love the the Morgan, the Morgan having little comments about being a female leader. I love uh, that she
1: finally got a sex scene. I remember Emmanuel Voget saying <laughs> at a con that she's surprised it took her four years to get a sex scene. And I love all the little And it little was with humor- a lady. <laughs> yeah. And I love all the little uh, moments of humor that she has when she's turned human. And they're so funny and so well played. And you know, Again, Emmanuel Vosier- her physical
0: comedy is great yeah. in those scenes. Yeah. She's, she's really good at that. Yeah. And Emmanuel Voget will
1: be at Dragon Con. I've never met her, and I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. So, how about you, Chris?
2: Who
0: is your favorite recurring character?
2: Okay, well, I like the Morgan too, but since both of you answered the Morgan, I'm going to have to go with the Beast because <laughs> Bo's card totally counts, right? Wait, I the think blue? So the blue or the yellow?
0: The yellow. The, the yellow. One. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> I really. The yellow one is the one that's recurring. Yeah. So yeah. that's true.
0: And I really like the description that we get about the Beast in the beginning of Barimut's Trick Pressure. Where Lauren borrows it, oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. where Bo's like, you know, it makes a noise if you go over, you know, about sixty clicks or however many clicks. Right, the,
2: the description with like a billion qualifiers. Yeah, 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 so yeah it gets you yeah. hit on
0: <laughs> by mostly guys wearing cheese heads. But
1: <laughs> and then if you go over 60 you're, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna get this gas smell. So yeah, uh, unless you don't want to pass out, don't go to that, don't go that fast that far. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I think the Beast is totally counts as a recurring character. It has
1: a lot of character. The Beast, and I love that they've kept it through the seasons. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. And it's one of those things. When I came to this question, I I, it kind of occurred to me that there really aren't a whole lot of recurring characters. I think a lot of the ones that were were recurring at some point sort of become part of the main cast.
0: Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, it's always difficult for me to decide whether to talk about Vex as a recurring character or a cast member because he's kind of credited like a cast member. Yeah. Emmanuel Vaugier, I think, usually has with guest star Emmanuel Vaugier. But but yeah, there aren't a whole lot of recurring characters on Lost Girl, so it, it's mm-hmm. kind of a small pool to choose from.
1: Yeah, because most of the Fay of the week, it's just a one-off guest spot.
0: So yeah, yeah. But since there's not a strict definition on these questions, you can you can make recurring character mean whatever you want. So day 11, we're talking about guest characters. And I think I'm going to go first because I feel like mine is probably not a surprise because I've said this a lot of times. While I love a lot of the guest characters on Lost Girl, we've had some great guest characters. Meyer is still my favorite. And he, if I think about like how I picked him was top of the list, who would I love to see again? Meyer is way up there. I think the actor is great. I think the character is really interesting. I love that he's kind of like a warm, fuzzy uncle figure, but he's really high up in the Dark Fae organization. And I would just love to see more of Meyer. So how about you, Chris? Who did you pick for your favorite guest character?
2: Also not a surprise, probably. Crystal. <gasps> <'Cause, laughs> no. Oh, I I just like her, okay? <laughs> I like that they included another human. And I like that she's a human who'd gotten involved in the Fae world. So that sort of fits her in with our existing characters, which I think is potentially a good way to explore those stories of our existing characters, right? We can sort of have them talk about their similar experiences or something, (laughs) which is my way of saying, bring her back, please. Because Leaps! I would also
0: love to see Leaps back on the show again. Oh, my ears. (laughs) (laughs) So how about you, Annie. Who did you pick as a favorite guest character?
1: Um, it took me a while because, honestly, I, I love all the main casts and the, our reoccurring characters. So I really had to go through the episodes and go, okay, what were the guest characters again? Because, again, uh, mostly Doncubus scenes. What I know. But um, <laughs> I'm going through the episodes and I'm all, I really liked Woods, which is from original skin. Um, or is it Woods and Bo's body? You know, either one. Just, he's so over the top, you know, southern drawl. Where's Rainer? I'm going to gut that pig, you know, blah 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 with his knife and his, you know, he's like a dark fae hick. So, you know, kind of stereotypical, but I, I just thought it was he was just really funny and it added a different element to the episode. And um I I it took a few rewatches for me to realize I didn't know it was uh, actor Michael Cram after a few uh, viewings and I love him on Flashpoint which is another Canadian show that I just love so I was like oh my god it's the Flashpoint guy so that was really cool for me to see and I thought he did a the actor did a great job as Bo and Woods's buddy so but Annie he didn't even get naked <laughs> I know so
0: no but
1: you know <laughs> eh. <laughs> I would an make an exception choice.
0: That's an interesting choice, Annie. I was not I was not expecting that one. Well yeah,
1: again, I kind of surprised myself either. picking it because I was like, God. I was you know, again, I was thinking of just a one off guest star and it took me a while, but once I saw Oh yeah, Woods, I liked him.
0: So Interesting. Another guest character that I really love, besides Meyer and Crystal, is I love love, love, love Peggy from Masks. A <laughs> mm-hmm. travel agent. She Number? cracks me oh, up. Oh <laughs> yes.
1: Are you serious? <laughs> Bo's like what? <laughs> She's like so unfazed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I had a moment where I was like, "Bruce, does he count as guest or recurring?" Or I, yeah. true yeah. Because I do love Bruce. Well, so Bruce, some love if he's considered a guest character. We do love Bruce.
1: I don't know. I'd consider him to lean a bit more on recurring, but recurring. Yeah, yeah. that's my that's my opinion.
0: I, I
2: had a tough time trying to decide that, too, because I considered him for recurring, but it's one of those things, he's mostly recurring only in season three and four. Yeah, but it's still so, recurring, so. Yeah, I know, but. Yeah,
0: it's it's difficult to draw the line. I feel like since he's been in multiple seasons, he would count as a recurring. Yeah, which That's fair. Which is, you know, Crystal's, I think, still at a guest, because even though she's in multiple episodes, it's only in one season. So far. Right. And it's only one story arc. It was like
2: three consecutive episodes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it was tough to figure out who was recurring, who was guest. We need to show Bruce some love, though, because I love Bruce. I love Rob Archer. He's such a sweet guy. Actually, come to think of it, I'm surprised Annie
2: didn't pick the, and now I can't think of the character's name, the Docubus shipper in season four. Oh,
1: Oh, Pietra. Pietra. Yeah. Yes. I was sad when she was, I was just watching her scenes the other day and I was like, oh, it's me. It's me, <laughs> except for the killing the random bride and being yeah, all dark I was going to ask, did you stab somebody? No, no, no. But <laughs> Like, casually stab somebody? Uh, yeah, and, of course, she has no filter, so I probably might have said something like, I just peed myself if I was in between <laughs> Zoe Palmer and Anna Silk, or, you know, in between the characters of Beau and Lauren. I would probably say that regardless, so, yeah. Well,
2: it is not so far from what you said to Emily Andrus, so... <laughs> That's true, or Zoe Palmer, so,
1: Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I forgot you said that to Zoe. (laughs) No, I didn't say I peed myself. I just said some silly stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
4: Hello, Drinks at the Doll. This is Sally. I'm calling to tell you my favorite guest character for day 11 of 30 Days of Lost Girl. And guess what? I'm going to be joining Chris in saying that it's Crystal. Now, let me tell you, the first time I saw Crystal during... Season four, I was not a fan. I thought she was pushy, but most of all, I was threatened by the uh, potential threat to Bo and Lauren's relationship. But then after I heard a lot about how awesome the other Canadian TV show Bomb Girls was, mostly from you guys, I watched it. I loved the character that Allie Liebert played, Betty McRae. And so I went back and rewatched season four and I formed a totally different opinion of Crystal through a rewatch. And, you know, I don't even think she was actually all that pushy. I think she was just friendly. And I appreciate that. So, Bomb Girls, Betty McRae, Allie Liebert, Crystal, Leibs!
0: So, Day 12. We're talking about the favorite our favorite cases that Beau took. So let's start with, and I'm guessing they mean like the A plots. You know, somebody comes to Bo and says, "Hey, Bo, I need you help to help with this thing." And that voice usually. <laughs> and, but I guess uh, mine's kind of on the. Uh, mine might be cheating, but uh, let's start with you, Chris. What what was your favorite case that Bo took that you?
2: You're going on? to lead in with that. You're going to lead in with that, and then shove it off to somebody else. Okay, <laughs> I see how it what? is.
0: <laughs> well, do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Go. So mine mine might be cheating because it wasn't really a client, but I I picked removing Nadia's curse in masks as my favorite case that Bo took, which came from Lachlan, so it wasn't quite a client story, but it, it is, it is, it is, right?
1: <laughs> Look, it's for Lauren, it's the most important client of her life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this episode will just be Stephanie arguing with herself,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> so I picked that one. Because even though it pained Bo to wake up Nadia and send Lauren into her arms, she had to free Lauren from her servitude to the Fae. Like, that's why she did it. She had to do it. She couldn't not do it. And that's where I love Bo the most, where she's just wanting the best for the people that she loves. And plus, I you know, this this story was kind of – it was fun. We had one of my favorite guest stars, Peggy, involved. We had the, the African shaman and the preta. And I don't know. I just, I really liked the, all of the stuff that she had to go through to accomplish uncursing Nadia. So that was the one that I picked. Now you can go, Chris.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with Bo going undercover at the gym in Raging
0: Faye.
2: Because, you know, very often Bo will take cases because she identifies in some way, you know, or in the early episodes, there's a lot of Bo taking cases involving like parents and their children. Like she, uh, Oh, the, the, Oh, Kappa, my Kappa. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the mother whose daughter has disappeared. And there's a, uh, in earlier, earlier in season two, there's the mother and daughter and the daughter was, um,
0: Oh, and Fagon Wild with,
2: yes. Thank you. Fagon Wild. the
0: Selkies. Yep.
2: Yes. So very often it's one of those things where Bo will, Identify and be compassionate and want to help. But in this episode, it's just that, like, the troll guy wasn't he a troll?
1: I don't oh, remember. Yeah. What was the. Uh, no, it oh, was, no, no. Was, was an ogre. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's what it was. Yes, thank you. I anyway, knew it was something like that. The ogre gets beaten up, and so she has to go in to figure out what the deal is with this guy who just casually beat up an ogre. And then it turns out that. There's the kid there who was essentially adopted, and he was actually a Fae. And so it was one of those... It was sort of a reversal of their usual pattern, where it ends up that Bo sees her own situation reflected in the case. But she didn't know it going in.
0: That is one of my favorite Season 2 episodes. That's probably my second favorite episode of Season 2, is Raging Fae. I really like Bo's storyline in that one. Me too. So how about you, Annie? What case did you choose? It took me a while because
1: again, um, I had to think of cases. Cases. Okay. And it's kind of harkening back to, you know, again, early earlier seasons where Bo takes a lot of cases, as opposed to the later seasons where you have the ongoing storyline where she doesn't take as many cases. And I'm like, oh, cases. Cases. Okay. Uh, again, just octopus scenes. Uh, it's becoming a re- recurring theme with me. I'm well, like, I can't remember becoming. any freaking cases. But then, um, so I decided on Caged Fae, where Bo, we find out that Bo has been committing all of these crimes, both in the human and the fae worlds. As Dyson says, is there any fae or human law you haven't broken? And she does it to purposely land in Hecuba prison uh, to investigate Dr. Everett's disappearance. disappearance. And she's working without her powers and, you know, being in a particularly physically dangerous situation. Um, But it's all because Lauren asked her to take on the case, essentially.
0: oh. We knew Lauren had to be involved somehow. Of course, <laughs> of course, uh, as she was in masks,
1: so the motivation behind it all. But um, but I think when you read the episode description, also that's how it reads: is like Bo goes into prison to investigate something because Lauren asked her to. So, um, but yeah, that was um, a good motivation, and again reveals more about Lauren's past. But I think it's a really solid season opener too.
0: I do like, though, when the way that they structured it where we didn't really know what was going on yeah, until and she sees Lauren. And then it's yeah. like, oh, okay. Okay. Like, I knew that Bo probably wasn't actually got all bad because that was really that, what they were going for, right? That we saw with the blue eyes at the end mm-hmm. and then in the first, yeah. first episodes, She's going, breaking all these laws and her friends are angry with her. I wasn't, I didn't quite, I'm not that quite that gullible. I knew that wasn't really what was going on. But I like that you didn't mm-hmm. get a full sense of what was happening until we see Lauren in the prison. It's like, oh, okay. And cool. I like that she's
1: very much Bow like in that prison and takes risks for other, you know, for her cellmate and,
0: right, right, you know, gets beat she's up. Like, I yeah. can't Sophie just let and, this little guy get beat on all the time. I have to stick yeah. up for her. Yeah.
1: And then solves the case and then sticks around even when, you know, they're all at risk because, you know, the baby's coming. So and then still manages to get out of there and. You know, the scene at the end between her and, uh, you know, committing, wanting to commit to Lauren. Both such a good person, you guys. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> so day 13, we're talking about our favorite big bads. And let's start with Annie. Who was your favorite big bad? Um, Mine was the Garuda.
1: I've read some people don't like that storyline, but I liked it because... Um, Again, I binge watched season one and two really quickly, so I had the whole build up to the Garuda within a matter of hours, and I was just—it was getting more and more intense for me, and I was like, "Oh my God, what are they gonna do?" And so he was the motivation that made the whole gang come together and fight at the end, at the end of season two. And you know, I thought he was kind of kind of cool, so yeah, I liked him.
0: I don't dislike him, but he's not as engaging to me as some of the other big bads are. Personally, what do you think of the Garuda, Chris?
2: I thought the Gerudo was fine. I I actually agree with Annie in the sense that I do feel like it was the Gerudo was sort of a galvanizing right, force. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like him in that respect.
0: His wings were cool. Yeah,
2: yeah cool there were some really effects. cool effects
0: with yeah. with the Garuda. This is very true. But who did you pick for your favorite big bad, Chris?
2: I I went with a weird choice because I had a hard time deciding. But I'm going to go with the Dawning. And hear me out because I <laughs> know people are people are going, what? No, but okay, here's the thing. (laughs) As odd, and I admit, strangely anticlimactic as the dawning was, I think there was a real sense of dread and apprehension about it. Or maybe that was just me watching it. I don't know. But I thought there was like a real buildup of like, what is this thing? And Bo was clearly freaked out about it. So I was freaked out about it on her behalf, because I'm that kind of viewer, apparently. But the whole thing is, you know, it's all about facing what's in your own head and the fear of what you could become. There's all that stuff going on. So, you know, symbolism.
0: Yeah, I thought it was. Chris a great- is going to be like the maverick for these episodes and choose the stuff that maybe people wouldn't think of as that thing.
1: <laughs> well, I think we've all done a little of that so far. So, but what I what I I agree with you, Chris. I think that the dawning did have a great sense of dread and apprehension about it and built up fantastically until episode nine where the dawning actually took place. And then we're all like, what the F? But yeah, it served a great, uh, purpose and it's still referred to. So it obviously had a really, you know, a boat turned a corner after that. So it really had an effect on Bo.
2: Well, and there's another thing which I didn't, didn't mention, but it seems like maybe we're not quite done with the fallout. Maybe. Because was a whole comment so. about
1: yeah, you've mentioned about um
2: yeah the the temple the, the
0: temple has a vengeance yes, the yeah can be vengeful. I I kind of hope we do see more fallout from the dawning and and I and I mean
2: maybe that's what a lot of the stuff in season four was because we don't really know what precipitated the events of season four. So I don't know. I'm hoping for more answers about all that sort of stuff in season five. Well, I always if, thought if the that dawn- is
0: the case. I hope they make it explicit though.
1: And Me too. not just yes. like, yes. Not maybe so. it
0: could be, yeah. Not so...
1: Twist- That's what I mean. Yeah, not so convoluted, just from being twisty-turny. But I always thought that the dawning and the beginning of the Piripra story was connected because of what Bo says when she goes all super Bo at the end of the dawning, right before she brings Dyson back to life, saying she and her father will rule and, you know, decide who lives and who dies.
0: And she does feel Like she sees her daughter, do- her father within the dawning, yes. So mm-hmm. it's possible that that's kind of how Pyrrhapus might have found her, quote yeah. unquote, right? Was and going I think through we the did the throw dawning. that out
2: there. I think we did throw that out there in a previous episode,
0: yeah, as a possibility because that's where all the wanderer starts, too, is it during her dawning preparation, yeah, exactly.
1: And I think, um, the one good thing about the dawning is that we got to get you know, when I think of Cop Doc, I don't think of Tamsin and <laughs> Lauren, I think of. Lauren in that really hot... Think of Lauren
0: and Bo as police
1: officers. (laughs) As police officers in that really hot uniform. So, yay. Oh, dear. That was one great thing about 309.
2: Oh, plus there's the whole thing about how the dawning was happening 200 years earlier or something. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it is that, like, the maybe Pirapis was precipitating events to kickstart Bo's dawning so that the events that happened could happen. Since he seems to be manipulating... Certain things. Yeah.
0: Though Emily Andrews did know. say that their intent was Bo went through her dawning early because of taking on everybody else's or
2: Oh right. The yeah, thing at the end of the thing at the end season of season two.
0: two. So Well, I went with Aoife, who is kind of the well, she's not really a bad bad but she was. At the end of season one, she was the big bad. She was the thing that was threatening to bring down the Fay world. So she's technically a big bad. But she's probably mm-hmm. my favorite because she's become more than that. When, and I love the fact that we got her back in season three and the beginning of season four, but you owe us the end of that confrontation between Eva and trick show. I know <laughs> we, we love Ingo Kadronel. Yes. We need more Eva. Sorry.
1: We love Ingo Kadronel as detective DeAngelis on Orphan Black, but we need Eva back to finish that confrontation and more. And that's, I think I didn't pick her as the big bad because you already did, Stephanie. And as I mentioned, I, you know, like the Garuda storyline. But yeah, I agree with you. It's not, she's not quite a big bad at just being one dimensional. And at this point, I really do sympathize with her.
0: And I, and I feel like we were always able to sympathize with her. And she wasn't just a, evil character to be evil. Whereas the Ger- the Geruda, like, wasn't a sympathetic char- figure, I don't think. I don't think Taft yeah. was that sympathetic of a figure. But no. I felt like Aoife, from the beginning, she- you could sympathize with her once we figure out who she actually was.
2: Right. And that's part of the thing, too, is that they've, they made the effort to tie her in directly to our main character. Right, so yeah. it's, like, it really is personal. Yeah.
6: Hi, this is Denise at MVGhost005. This is in response to Day 13 favorite big bad. This is not uh, necessarily saying he's my favorite big bad, but it's just acknowledging the impact that this character has had both on the characters within the storyline and on the series as a whole, and that is Dr. Isaac Taft. I think his storyline has raised some very legitimate issues, concerns, next steps as to whether or not, you know, Fae should become human or human should become Fae, and the ensuing conflict that will come of that question, so or those questions, so to speak. So unless the writers put cotton in their ears and blinders on the size of elephant ears, or just call the entire third season a dream sequence. There is no way that they can get around the discussion or the issue or the subject of a human versus Fey war. So, for me, it is Doctor Isaac Taft.
0: So, day fourteen. Ooh, angry. We're getting angry today. We're talking about a scene slash moment on the show that made us angry. Rawr. And I enjoy Annie when she's angry. So we're (laughs) going to start with Annie. (laughs) (laughs) Rare. That's
1: rare, not rare, not like cute Bo. So (laughs) (laughs) I love to rant. (laughs) She's
2: not Annie. She's Annie (laughs) Green.
1: Ha 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 ha. It was
2: terrible. I said it anyway.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, this one was pretty easy for me. The moment that made me angry was when Bo kept using her quote-unquote destiny as an excuse for her actions when Raynor came into the picture in Season 4. And I get that the writers, they might have been trying to make Bo an anti-hero, change things up a bit, bring a new player on the scene, but for me, it just didn't work in any way, shape, or form. Especially in particular when Bo ignored Lauren's conclusions about Raynor and Origin, 'cause, because, you know, Lauren's been researching. She's really trying to help, but I think Bo is so blind or just, you know... Destiny, Destiny, whatever. And then, you know, when her... She was just so callous to Dyson and Destiny's Child, when he's pouring his heart out and he says he couldn't help her if Raynor ended up being the bad guy in End of a Line. And just that whole... I mean, I know it's supposed to be a scene or a moment, but just that whole storyline of how Beau acted in relation when Raynor came in, how she acted towards her friends, you know, and in particular, the two loves of her life, really, really pissed me off. And I know I'm not alone in that, but it's just... You know, I know you guys were saying for, you know, a lot of the season she was she might have been under a whammy, but I think in the last episode it proved that she wasn't, and it was just really disappointing to see the character act that way. Although I realize that the end of the season would not have had much impact with Go coming back Bo coming back to herself, quote unquote in uh, Dark Horse, but still it
0: just ugh. Do
1: not like do not like. So don't like Don't like anti-hero Bo.
0: Well, I don't like it, but not for the reasons you do. I didn't like it because, from the beginning, this show has been about Bo making choices, choosing to live outside of the system, determining her own life. And so I really did not like when they brought Destiny into the picture. It just Mm -hmm. kind of went against the the philosophy of the show for me. So it wasn't so much Bo's actions that bugged me, but I don't. But just the fact that suddenly it wasn't about Bo choosing. It was just about this ephemeral destiny thing. And I just yeah. I didn't like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it's in the form of this Rainer guy that just doesn't do anything to <laughs> say, oh, by the way, I'm here to help. But, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything to dissuade her from her destiny. He encourages it. And he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't encourage her to make her own choices or to just be there to to help against the Pirapis. He's just kind of a dud.
2: Okay, two things about this, though. One, I'm not convinced that Bo wasn't under some sort of whammy.
0: (laughs) I don't know. As we've mentioned, it's still kind of not, it's not definitive by the end of the season.
2: Right. And second thing, I'm not sure that the Destiny talk is necessarily a bad thing in terms of the theme of the show, because Bo seemed to be, to, to use the Wonderfalls quote, surrendering to Destiny. But the thing is, it didn't work out so well, you know? So I think maybe to some extent, this is one of those things where somebody makes a bad decision thinking that this is maybe either the right thing to do or is at least an easier thing to do. Right. I mean, it's easier to go with something if you consider it destiny, but the whole premise of the show is self-determination. So I'm thinking that this is all leading up to Bo really having to take ownership of her own actions and her own choices and stuff like that. So, no. I certainly
0: hope so. I don't think it's a turn in the show necessarily for the for all time. It could be that that they come back from it and realize that uh, the characters realize like, you know, heck with this destiny stuff. And and I think there was a little bit of that in Dark Horse, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the yeah. same time, like it was prophesized that kenzie would sacrifice herself so it still was kind of involved in dark horse but Mm -hmm. but yeah i i think that they definitely could come back from the whole destiny thing and say heck with this this is dumb we're gonna do what we want to do and make our own choices Well, but again
2: to me that kind of goes with my my own argument though because okay if we go with destiny what does it get us it gets us kenzie sacrificing herself (laughs) you know that's not a good ending who needs this destiny crap, you know? And I think part of it too is that destiny so often is in sci-fi and fantasy yeah. Yeah. stuff. So it's one of those things. I don't necessarily mind that they're introducing it because it is a common thing. So it's. I, I'm just hoping that we're going to continue to subvert, maybe.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. So how about you, Chris? What What is a moment that made you angry?
2: Okay, in End of a the Line, there's that super skeevy guy Harvey. Oh. And he's filming Bo and Acacia fighting, and somehow he doesn't get his ass handed to him. Yes, that is a good one, and that just makes me so angry. Yeah. And also in that episode, Revenants, why did it have to be zombies? <laughs> I hate zombies.
0: I. That's a good one, Chris. That is a good one. That again, the show is usually really good at punishing characters who are misogynist jerk faces. And that guy doesn't. He gets his metaphorical penis broken when they smash his camera. But they, yeah, nothing bad happens to him. But he should have also gotten his face broken. Yes. (laughs) See, I. they should have cut off his head and sucked from his neck.
1: Yeah, but I don't think it would have tasted very good. It wouldn't have done much. But I don't think see this is where I'm just being shallow Annie again and I'm just like ha ah, two ladies fighting and a guy. I I just thought it was funny and I wasn't thinking of the deeper feminist connotations. I'm sorry guys. I'm I'm shallow.
0: I don't mind that that happened, but something bad should have happened to him because of it. Yeah, yeah. I but, think the scene is funny, but and the zombies,
1: I thought. I think I mentioned this when we went through the episode. I'm like, oh, zombies! Everybody's doing zombies. Don't tell me Lost Girl has to resort to zombies. It's kind of like everybody's doing zombies. So
0: yeah. So my angry moment also comes from End of the Line, and it's when Massimo killed Hale. Because I am just still really upset with the show's choice to kill off Hale, and I was. It made me even angrier that he was killed off by Massimo of all people. If he had to be killed off. Why couldn't he... Why couldn't it have been, like, heroic or something like that instead of this just tragic death that he got? And, yeah, that's... Hail dying, especially at Massimo's hand, makes me really angry. End of the line, apparently. We're just, like, angry. (laughs) And it's just, yeah,
1: stabbed in the back, you know, with Massimo and his bad shirts and his stupid ranting and
0: mama issues yeah. yeah
1: and it's just i mean i can understand from a production standpoint why they might have had to do it because casey collins is on saving grace and saving hope saving hope, hope. <laughs> saving grace is an american show um you know and he might have had too many commitments or also the combination of a fact that you know shows seem to go oh we're in our like x year let's kill a main character cuz that's what we always do just to shake things up and i'm like yeah but does, did it have to be anybody? Why can't we all just stay? You know, and it's, of course, it's, I'm, I'm sick of that as a convention Yeah, yeah. me too. And it's like, and of course, it's when the characters are happiest. That's when the, you know, blanks come in. Yeah, that was another fan. thing
0: that made us, made me angry because it was just so obvious. Yeah. yeah. That something bad was going to happen because of how happy they made, they made them. Exactly. In, we have all the time. The, in the world. scenes. Yeah. And yeah.
2: They, you propose. So, yeah. <sighs> Yes, end of a line. More like we're at the end of our ropes. Yeah. Yeah.
7: This is Stephanie's friend, Elizabeth. And I am here to tell you a little bit about my emotions about Lost Girl. In particular, uh, today is about something that made me angry with Lost Girl. So my example happens in Table for Faye. At the very end of the episode, uh, Ryan brings in Marissa to have a three-way with Bo. And he says something like, um, I brought you a little present. And Bo says something to the effect of, and it's a nice one. And what I find objectionable and slightly gives me some heat behind my eyes is the fact that Bo objectifies Marissa in this way. That she, uh, takes the, uh, way that she's, the way that she's acted in the past Uh, leads me to believe that she would object to this kind of objectification, but instead, she participates in it wholeheartedly. Um, I think the whole, uh, the act, the actual sex part is consensual and therefore fine, but the objectification is objectionable. So there you go. That's what made me angry.
0: So this meme originally was written for Buffy, the vampire slayer, and the person who adapted it for Lost Girl mentioned that in her original post. And it's very obvious that this meme was adapted from a Buffy meme by the wording of this question. For day 15, the question, word for word reads, a scene slash moment that gave you a happy. And <laughs> that that expression, it gives me a happy, is is from Buffy, which Annie might not know. So there you go, Annie.
1: Okay, thank you for the education.
0: Yes, Xander says that at some point, that it gives him a happy. And then Buffy replies, I'm glad somebody has a happy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then Stephanie proceeds to recite the entire episode. <laughs> <Tire> episode.
0: <laughs> but today we're talking about Lost Girl, not Buffy. <clears throat> and we're talking about scenes that made us happy. So let's start with, well, Annie got to rant first. Well, I'll start with Chris. Chris gets to be happy first. <laughs> Uh, thank you.
2: <laughs> okay, so Bo very dramatically asks Kenzie if she likes milkshakes in It's a Fey 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 Fe World. And that was the moment where I was pretty sure I was going to love the show. And it's also sort of the the beginnings of the friendship between Bo and Kenzie. And I also love that it smash cuts to that shot of Bo like slurping the last of her milkshake. I do like that sound effect mm. of the And just, like, the slurping. way she's kind of got her lips over to the side with
0: the straw. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just it's like, it's so cute. It's, it's very so cute. cute.
1: I mean, Anna looks like she's, like, a five-year-old, you know, in the cutest of ways. And yeah, she goes from, like,
0: badass succubus to, to cute yeah. five-year-old <laughs> sipping a milkshake. I well, know. because it's
2: that super dramatic, like, the, the music swells dun, 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 and you're just kind of like, what's going to happen? Do you like
1: milkshakes? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, we were discussing this episode how much uh, I love that shot. It's so great.
0: So how about you, Annie? What's what's a scene from the series that that gave you a happy?
1: Well, lots of scenes give me a happy, but specifically...
0: See, I use this the phrasing very specifically for you, Annie. Yes, <laughs>
1: specifically. Because it
0: sounds a little dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's uh, when Bo said, it's time. Encaged Faye and they kissed Lauren. Kissed her. Um, <laughs> not anybody else. No one yes. else. <laughs> just Lauren. And he says, step away from Beau. <laughs> <laughs> Only her face may be on her face. Her face. <laughs> I get the face <laughs> thing now. So, but um, because again, I just, you know, I love seasons one and two and I'd watched them all in delirium in a week and a half. And this was the first episode I watched of season three, and by now I was very much into Docubus, and I was like, that was probably my first squeal that I let out when I was (laughs) watching it. I was like, clap, clap, So, yeah, I I clapped and literally squealed. And, you know, again, because I was new to Lost Girl and Docubus, it was very gratifying to see that moment in the current season that I was watching. And thus the docu-squeal was born. The docu-squeal. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know this. That's a moment that a lot. That's very significant for a lot of Docubus fans. Our our friend Sally, who has been on the, I guess, been contributor on the podcast several times. She had T-shirts made with it. Had the the logo from Hecuba Prison on the pocket on the front, and then on the back it said, "It's time" and really, really, really big letters. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, are you now wishing
1: you'd ordered a T-shirt, Annie? Oh, yes, I kind of am. But that's okay. I like the (laughs) DocuBuster moniker that she made up for me. So that's pretty awesome, too.
0: So I know that that's... Anyway, I just I know that's a, a line that's very significant for a lot of DocuBus fans. So as for me, there's a lot of scenes, moments that made me happy. But the first one that really popped into my head that just makes me smile or laugh or both every single time is when I watched Kenzie's speed dating in the morning after. Where you know it's kind of between her and Bo, Bo who's like very focused and trying to ferret out information, and then Kenzie who's just being Kenzie and stealing people's watches and pretending to be like a poor Russian immigrant girl who wants to send chicken home to mama. <laughs> and then, of course, when somebody asks her her favorite quote, she quotes uh, ludicrous, of course. But yeah, it's just that sequence. It puts a huge smile on my face. I, I whenever I see it on Tumblr, like somebody's made a gift set of it, I'm just like, it makes me smile all over again. So that was the, that was the moment that I went with. But there's a lot. There's tons of moments on Lost Girl that make me smile or laugh or be happy. I know almost like all it. of these.
2: It's just so hard to choose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But luckily this one wasn't favorites or something like this. It was just a or moment that gave me a happy. So that, that was, was much easier true. to answer. Because <laughs> it's
1: impossible to pick a favorite when there's yeah. so many.
2: Yeah. I think I pretty much just went with the first one, like chronologically <laughs> in the series.
7: Which is a fine way to go. That's, yeah, that's true. This is Stephanie's friend, Elizabeth, here to tell you about a moment in Lost Girl that gave me a happy. I really like in Confajan that whole subplot that Vex and Kenzie are mascara buddies. I find that part really enjoyable. Uh, Not only the little camaraderie that it builds up between the two of them, but they're just great bantering characters that I like to hear some banter. I also, the part of it that's my favorite is the payoff at the end of the episode when Vex gives Kenzie uh, his mascara brushes and she is so excited to unwrap them that her hands shake as she's unwrapping the package. That part makes me happy every single time. Thanks.
8: Hey, everyone, it's Kevin Batchelder. Boy, there are lots of choices for this particular answer, aren't they? after all the seasons, and there are several great ones. But I'm going to go back, with no surprise to anyone, to a Kenzie moment, but also a very early one, back in O Kappa My Kappa. When she basically stumbles across Dyson, uh, they are brushing his teeth and realizing that, uh, you know, Dyson and Bo have been together and, and, uh, you know, what it means for her friend there. Her little, uh, Kenzie happy dance, uh, really just ear to ear smile for me. You know, time thinking about it, uh, it is just amazing stuff to me. It just kind of shows as we're starting to build the great relationships between these characters here. Uh, and it's just so precious to <laughs> think about. Her and in that particular moment, the the sheer happiness for it, uh, lots and lots of fun. All right, I hope you all take care.
0: So on day sixteen, the question is: a scene or moment that made you cry. I guess Annie started angry, Chris started happy, I'll start sad. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's fair. Yes. Yes. So the moment that I went with, because actually Lost Girl has not made me cry all that much. There's only been a couple of times. So the moment that I went with, because I didn't want to go with the really obvious one. Y'all probably know the really obvious one that made me cry. So the one that I went with was at the end of Truth and Consequences when Bo is comforting Kenzie. So this is just after Bo has had to kill Nadia and she comes back to the clubhouse, and kind of is looking for Kenzie because Bo could use some support. And she finds Kenzie, who's just distraught because she broke up with Nate because she wanted to protect him. And so even though Bo really needed comfort, she kind of puts that aside and she comforts her best friend instead. And I just really like this moment of friendship between the two of them and both of them having made like really tough choices and grieving those choices in a way. So that was the moment that I picked. It's a good, good choice. Thank you for this. And it's got Agnes Obel's song playing over it, and it—that's very sad too. That song. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, how about you, Annie? What is what? What scene did you go with that made you cry? Well, it's a um, surprise
1: to nobody if you don't know this already. But I cry all the freaking time. I'm
0: very <laughs> emotional
1: with my shows. But honestly, that's how I know they're good, and that's how I know I like them. You're invested. It's a good thing. I'm invested damn it. Um, I am connected to my emotions and emoticons. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it was, heck, I probably Annie cried. Does and does
0: enjoy her emojis. It's true.
1: <laughs> yes. I probably cried, heck, probably uh, in the last scene I mentioned too, with it's time, probably cried, squeed, laughed, everything. But the scene that I picked is the first scene that made me cry again in season 3 when i was watching everything in real life, in real time so the first scene that made me cry was uh, the the scene that every you know docus fan worth their assault should cry over is uh, the break scene in delinquents see and she's
0: so sad she can't even like spit it out that took you, I like know. <laughs>
1: <several> <laughs> took me like 10 minutes, minutes. to get <laughs>
0: And then from there, I just have to
1: say, do I really need to elaborate? Doesn't everybody cry at that scene, regardless of their ship? Because they should. I'm. I just. Yeah. I have very vivid memories sitting at my laptop, like clutching it in a death grip, going, "No, you can't say that, Lord." Anyway, but um, I didn't cry at that scene because I'm
0: apparently heartless.
1: I'm, and I'm just, I'm a complete opposite end of the spectrum. So
0: (laughs) thank you, Annie, for not denying that I'm heartless.
1: You are heartless. Because you keep making me choose. Girl, no, Annie, you can't (laughs) say one thing about this question. You have to pick one. You have to pick one season. Fine. Vengeance (laughs) is
0: Annie's. Apparently. Then I just
6: growl.
1: Fine.
0: (laughs) So how about you, Chris? What is a a scene that made you cry?
2: I went with the obvious answer. As of this recording, it is the last scene that we've gotten from the series. Bo's walking to Kenzie's gravestone in that heartbreaking song is playing and I mean the whole thing is designed to make the audience cry but it totally worked on me so well played Emily Andrus Mm -hmm. well played
0: I also did not cry at that scene
1: well way to play (laughs) me and Chris like a violin Andrus you know but you gotta really work on Stephanie because so next season hopefully
0: what did make me bawl in season four, which I thought was really obvious so I didn't say that one, was when Hale was killed. Yeah. And initially when Hale died, and then I cried again when Bo showed up and Kenzie was demanding that Bo bring Hale back. That yeah. episode made me cry twice. And, and, and then, then I, I cried you... when we were talking about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so that that one that one really got me. Again, like Dark Horse. It was super manipulative, but it worked. So well played, Steve Cochran, I think, who wrote that episode.
8: Hey, everybody, it's Kevin Batchelder. Wanted to give some thoughts on today's question, and it's a tough one. I'm glad it's several months past the end of the season, or I might not have been able to do this in one take a while back. Uh, For me, it certainly, like many folks, comes down to two events. Uh, When we lost Hale, certainly that uh, was difficult not only for losing a great character, but also seeing the impact on my favorite character, Kenzie. So in that case, uh, I certainly felt it there uh, for her. But I think if I have to pick mine, I'm going to be selfish for the impact on me and talk about when we lost Kenzie at the end of the season. Now, I know, and kudos to Chris, for reminding me that Season 5 is likely the, you know, subtitled The Quest for Kenzie. I certainly realize intellectually that she will be back. But I got to tell you, as someone who gets very emotionally tied into this series, which is rare for someone like myself in my 50s, who's been watching genre shows for, you know, 30, 40 years, uh, to be so caught up in the moment uh, and to be impacted when she sacrificed herself to save the gang. I mean, it physically hurt. Uh, you know, I was an effing mess, no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, that is in and of itself you know, why I love this show, to see that I can have that impact after knowing and kind of sensing a little bit what was coming. It's amazing that even when it did, that it hit me so hard and made it so difficult for me. So, uh, and now that we are several months past that point, I'm able to talk about it. Uh, Like I said, otherwise, this probably would have taken 30 takes and lots of editing for Stephanie to put it all together. But uh, that certainly made me cry. Don't have a problem admitting it. And uh, it just goes to show you the impact of a great series. Hope everybody has a good day.
7: This is Stephanie's friend, Elizabeth here to tell you about a moment in lost girl that made me cry. We're getting deep into my emotional world. Um, so my moment is in the episode origin, which is post hail dying, which of course made all of us a little emotionally vulnerable. But uh, my moment in the episode is when Kinsey is asking Vex to kill Massimo for her. And I, it makes me very sad for a number of reasons. Um, first, because just everybody's working on me in the sense that everybody's mourning hail, which is very sad. I am mourning hail. I'm also extremely sad for Kinsey in that episode. And I am most sad for the way that Kinsey tries to, um, manipulate vex into helping her by saying uh, i need the real vex back when she has just spent some time some significant time being his anchor uh toward a more stable moral life um and instead she's going back on it for her own advantage and i think that's very sad both for vex and also for Kenzie. I'm choking myself up right now. Okay. Thank you.
0: We would love it if you shared your answers to these questions. Go to drinksatthedollcom slash 63 and tell us some of your favorites in the comments. You can send us feedback on this content or suggest content for future episodes by emailing us at feedback at or sending us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of the website. I'm so glad you could join us for drinks at the doll. My name is Stephanie and I'm Annie and I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers.